welcome to Do It For The Process, studio conversations for artists and creatives. I'm your host, Emily Jeffords, professional artist, educator, and mother of three. In this podcast, we dive deep into what it means to run a successful creative entrepreneurship, how to stay true to your art while also growing your creative business. And I always give a gentle reminder to fall in love with the process all along the way, because I firmly believe your creative business is only as strong as your creative practice. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to part two of the Artist's Year of Growth. If you haven't listened to part one yet, pause this right now, go back and listen to that. It's the foundation, it's the mindset, it's the purpose, it's it's so good. It's a great episode. Go back and listen to that one first, and then come back here, and we'll get into all of the good stuff in this one. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit more nerdy than the last one. The last one gave you the foundation and the purpose the permission to dream, all the good things. This one is going to become a little bit more mm, boots on the ground, a little bit less glamorous, a little bit more dirty, dirt under our fingernails, um, actual actions happening in this episode. I'm gonna share with you guys year five in my business, what my year looked like month by month in year five of my business. I'm excited to do that. We're also going to get into some dates that you should not launch your products. We're going to talk about seasonal flow in your creative business, some themes you might like to be aware of, all the things. Before we get into all this, go to emilyjeffordslearn.com and download the workbook if you haven't done so already. If you have, you're good to go. You may have already looked ahead. That's totally fine. There are no rules. It's all good. And I'm so excited to say that this podcast episode is brought to you by my 12-week course, Making Art Work, which opens for enrollment on February 18th, which is not very far away. I am so ready to dive back into this content and these lessons with a new round of artists. Last year was the first year we launched this course. It was so beautiful and so powerful and the transformation that so many, 400 students, 400, um, it was just beautiful. It was life-changing for them. It was life-changing for me. It will be life-changing for you. Come join us in February of this year. All of that information is available at emilyjeffordslearn.com. Go check it out. It is going to be, it's gonna be so good. Okay, let's get into this episode. Again, go download the booklet if you haven't done so already. We're going to open to page 11, sketch out your year. Now, at the end of the last episode, we have gone through several like sections of contemplation of setting goals, of setting new ambitions and new uh, a new space to brainstorm ideas for growth and for profitability, all these things. That's where we ended last time. In this episode, we're going to dive into some really good stuff. So on page 11, it says to sketch out your year. And we're going to start with the seasons. I know that it can be kind of daunting to look at the year as a whole and to think that you have to fill up the entire 12 months with plans and goals and, you know, things that you already have scheduled. No, 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 no. Let's start with the seasons. Just think, what do you want to focus on for each season? It's a bit more of a bite. It's a bit less daunting. It's a bit less overwhelming. Let's start with spring. 
what do you want to focus on this spring? Which spring to me, by the way, would be, I would say March begins spring when it begins to get a little bit warmer. Um, people have a little bit more hope, a little bit more, you know, life and joy in their day. The days become a little bit brighter. It's a good, it's a good time in the Northern hemisphere, of course. Um, so sketch out your spring. How do you want it to feel? What projects do you want to take on? Write down three goals you have for this spring. And then let's transition to summer. Now, I know summer can be weird. Summer can be hot and there are children everywhere and there are vacations and things are running amok and it's beautiful and fun and crazy and just way too hot. But the days are long. You can get in a lot of creative time in daylight, which is magic for us painters. And I think it's worth putting down some pretty lofty goals for summer because of the extra daylight hours. I always try to create a lot of paintings throughout the summer, partly because I love having those long days to paint within, but also because it feels like a little bit of a rebellion. You know, most people are taking it slow and doing less. I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do more because I can and I want to. <laughs> And then, of course, we go into fall. And in fall, begin to aim towards the holiday season. If you are an entrepreneur, if you sell physical products, think ahead towards the holidays because they're right around the corner. In, in my business, um, the holiday season begins in October. So, and that's not just like my planning, it's the actual selling of things begins in October for the holidays. So I'm planning, I'm planning the, you know, ordering products and thinking about our inventory and things like that in the summer. And it all comes to fruition in October, November, and December. So begin to think ahead. And then of course, move into winter. And the winter can be this really great incubation time in this time of you know, of course, the holiday season is crazy and hope you've, hopefully you've had some great sales and you're really riding on that high wave. And then January is this wonderful time to invest in yourself. February, again, invest in yourself, nourish yourself, um, plan ahead, get some work going now because it's just a really great time of year. It's very quiet. There aren't a lot of distractions. It's a really good time of focusing. From there, go to the year as a whole calendar and just begin to write in monthly dreams and ambitions and goals and watch as the things that you already have scheduled. If you have vacations or courses that you want to take or things that you want to offer or, you know, you already have some things that are happening this year, write those down and watch as the year takes shape. It's so, ugh, I love it. I love planning though. I'm, I love, I love watching things come together and working towards a goal and finding success in that. So this is my love language. Okay, let's get a little bit practical with this. As you're planning your year and as you're seeing things come together on paper for your entire 2020, let's talk about sustainability. Now, you know that dreams are beautiful and having these goals, it's so, so beautiful. But if you can't equate those goals and those dreams to actual revenue, you can't be in business for the long term. You can be in business for a very short amount of time and then your savings is gone and you need to set on your own two feet again. So let's talk about how to actually plan your year based on your dreams and your love and your passion and your financial needs. 
Now, you know your energy better than anybody. You know how much you can create, how much you can sustain, how much you can market, how much your audience wants to hear from you. You know all those things better than I know those things about your business. So listen to your intuition. Listen to things that you need, that you are inspired by, and that you know will succeed. But typically, I'm going to give you some generalizations here. Typically, a well-established self-representing artist. So what that means is someone that's in year three, year four, year five, year 10, year whatever. Someone who has an audience, who has collectors, um, and self-representing means that they sell their own work. So you're not working with the gallery. You're not working with, um, you know, an agent or licensing partnerships. This is you selling your own work to individual collectors. Typically, an artist who has a business that's set up like that will launch three to five well-developed collections a year. That could be 10 pieces that are large in each collection. It could be 40 pieces in each collection. There really aren't any hard and set rules as to what a collection quote-unquote means. So you can definitely adapt that to your, your work, your needs, your ideas, all these things. It's totally fine. But three to five full, beautiful collection. So that's between 30 and 200 pieces, three collections of 10, five collections of 40, whatever. However many pieces you want to create is fine. You do not need to create 200. That was just an extreme example. But typically a collection is, you know, it's, it's hefty. It's not just like two pieces of work. If you're going to offer a smaller collection, like 10 pieces or 12 pieces, I would recommend that those pieces be large and that they be a little bit more expensive. Um, that way you, you're spending all of your creative energy drawing people to your work and it's worth your efforts. That way you're not drawing, you know, you're not conjuring up all this energy and all this excitement and all this marketing magic for two pieces of artwork that each cost $10. You know, like you, you don't want to do that. So find your sweet spot for your collections, but keep that in mind, three to five collections a year, um, 10 to 40 pieces in each. Most artists also offer more than one thing. So they offer more than just originals or, you know, whatever their main thing might be, sculptures or, or handmade dresses, whatever it might be. They also usually offer something that's a lower price, maybe prints, maybe products, maybe they offer retreats or workshops or, you know, a whole variety of things that you can offer as a creative entrepreneur to round out your income. That way you're not solely dependent on one thing. That's kind of an advanced uh, way of growing your business. Not, not advanced, not like hard, just you know, after year one, begin to think about ways that you can diversify your income and really bring in really beautiful, well-rounded income. Um, that's not just going to fail if, if one, like if, what if you just don't create great paintings for a season or don't feel like painting for a season or your collectors are distracted by the election or, you know, a whole myriad of things can go quote unquote wrong with one section of your business and yet, if you have multiple arms for your business, you're going to be fine. And you can let that one side rest and then come back to it later. So most artists, you know, have more than one thing that they offer. So within this business model, not adding um, the income from reproductions or from other different areas of your business, you can expect to make between 1000 
and $30,000 for a collection launch. Now, let me break that down a little bit because that last number might sound really appealing to many, many of us, but let's talk about how that actually plays out. If you offer 10 pieces at $100, that's of course $1,000, right? Like, so that one launch of 10 pieces of artwork, each priced at $100, will bring in, if you sell out, which is probably not something to plan on, I would plan on a 40% sale through, which means you'll sell 40% of your pieces. Of course, you know your audience, again, you know your business so much better than I do. So if you can depend on selling 80%, that's beautiful. If you can depend on selling 100%, then plan for that. That's totally great. If you can depend on selling one piece, then plan for that. Make sure that you're still profitable. And in keeping with this, this uh, illustration, the $30,000 launch would be if you sell 30 pieces of artwork for $1,000 each, or, you know, round that to whatever number you might want to use for your launch. So that's a good way of sketching out your year. If you know that you can plan and produce and market and sell three or four or five collections a year, put them on the calendar and space them far enough apart that they make sense and that you can market them effectively and that you have time to create the work and mail the work to the buyers. And then put a dollar amount next to how much you, or not next to you, but put a dollar amount that signifies how much you think you will make in that collection launch. And be realistic, be practical. You don't want to assume for a 100% sellout. You don't want to assume that you're gonna sell each piece for, you know, $40,000 when your audience isn't ready for that. So be wise, be practical, but you have to make money in your business or you're not going to be in business in 2021. The honest truth is the revenue your business makes will most likely increase as your audience increases. So back in the last episode, we talked about some ways to actually practically increase your audience size go back and listen to that if you need some ideas. But increasing your audience, the eyes that get to see your work, that will that will increase the amount of sales you have. And it's really hard to grow your sales without also growing your audience. It's not impossible, but it's harder. It's definitely worth pouring some thought, some love, and some care into audience growth. If you feel a little bit gross about planning your work around financial needs, just please know that I totally get it. It can feel a little bit unromantic, a little slimy, although it's not slimy, that's the wrong word. It can feel just like your focus is in the wrong spot when you focus on the dollar amount that you need to make and then your creative work is secondary to that. So what I recommend doing is writing down in your year calendar where you're going to make the chunks of your money if you if you sell based on collections. And then when you can see in black and white that you're going to be okay, you're going to make the, the money that you need this year, your everything is going to be taken care of, then you can kind of let that part go. You can kind of not forget about it, but put it to the side. You don't need to focus on that right now. And then you can focus on your inspiration and your work and the things that bring you true joy and true passion. Keep everything flowing at a healthy and sustainable rate. Um, price your work for profit, not for quick sale, not for a feel-good number, not for that quick win. And then you'll find that consistent and sustainable growth that you need to see in your creative practice and in your business. So keep that in mind, keep your energy in mind, keep your inspiration in mind, 
um, and then, you know, make sure you can make enough money. It's quite important. This is a really big focus in making our work, by the way. This is something that we talk about very often because it's so important to find joy in your creative work. And I can tell you from experience, it's really hard to find joy when you feel like you are starving, metaphorically or actually. Um, it's hard to find joy when you feel like you can't provide for yourself or for your family or for people that need, you know, they need you. So um, I think it's important to think about. Okay, let's talk about working with the seasons. This is something that I really love doing in my business, and this might give you some clarity as you plan your calendar. Again, you know yourself, you know your business, you know your offerings and your audience, but often the flavor of our businesses shifts with the seasons. As the months pass, our focuses kind of kind of change with the weather, which is really interesting. I had these broken down, not in typical spring, summer, autumn, winter, but more in chunks that make sense to me. So January is its own strange, beautiful animal. January is the first quote unquote season. Um, we prepare for the year in January. We incubate, we create upcoming collections. We really begin to nourish yourself, begin to um, let this be a season of rest and of quiet, but also work ahead. Also begin to plan for collections of 2020 or of the rest of the year. If you are an educator or a mentor, or if you offer workshops or classes of any sort, January is a great time to offer those. Even if they actually happen in February, January is the time where people, your, your audience is probably thinking about nourishing themselves and investing in themselves. So this is the perfect time to offer anything education related. Um, it's perfect. Perfect. February through April. So chillier spring months, getting warmer, getting more exciting and more beautiful, but day by day, this is a great time to begin offering collections, offer commissions, offer um, whatever you're, I'm, I'm sticking to painters specifically, but adapt this as needed, of course. This is a great time to begin offering bodies of work. It's also a great time of year for workshops, for painting retreats, for classes, things that have to happen outside, things that involve, you know, letting yourself become more alive, become more beautiful. Um, people have fallen back into rhythm. They've kind of, they've, they've come off the holiday high. They're back into normal life. They're finding their flow. They're finding their interests. And oftentimes they're looking for something to refresh themselves and their home and their life in whatever way. May through August, as I already hinted, this can be a very strange time of year. It's too hot. There are a lot of kids. There are trips. There are things that are just, they're just crazy. Everything is, is topsy-turvy during the summer months, most likely for you. They definitely are for me. And a lot of artists choose to take this time of year a lot slower, if not completely off, especially if they have kids that are out of school, all these things. Personally, I try to take the most advantage of the daylight hours as I possibly can. I try to create so many paintings. As you'll see when I, when I show you my year, um, my year of projects and things that I accomplished, I like to do a painting a day in, in especially like, July and August, I think it's a great time to use those ample daylight hours and to get so much creative work done. 
It's also kind of a nice time because I personally am in a little bit of a break. Most of my teaching is over. Um, I have trips that I'm going on and they're filling me up with all kinds of inspiration and excitement. And then I come home and I just want to paint. I just want to paint and paint and it's so beautiful. You can absolutely have a collection launch in the summer. That's not at all a bad idea. Um, in fact, you might stand out because a lot of creatives do take this time slower and don't focus so much on their business during this time. So that might be a good thing for you. September through October is a great time for a collection launch or some kind of big marketing push of some sort. People are gearing up towards the holidays but they're not really in that crazy holiday mode yet. So they're just, it's a really great time to market something and have a really successful launch. Begin planning your holiday launches as well during this time. This is a really important time for you to begin creating product, creating things, um, planning your launches, buying all your products, all these things need to happen. I would say by October 1st, you should have all this done. But if this is year one or two of your business, you might get away with waiting until maybe even November. But do you try to plan ahead? That way you have a nice smooth holiday season. Educators, again, the fall is the perfect time for your offerings because people really want to learn. They're going back to school. They're, you know, ready to start investing in themselves again. This is a great time for education. And then, of course, November and December are holiday, holiday, holiday. Now, this is different for all of our businesses, but in my business, this means no actual large original painting releases because I find that these large painting releases do better in the spring, summer, and fall. For me, I don't love to do them around the holidays. It just feels a little bit too rushed. People don't have time to think clearly, to appreciate the work. It's almost more for me than for my audience that I prefer to do it this way, but I will do a small painting release. So smaller scale work, um, things that are a bit less, less precious to me, maybe I'll definitely do prints, definitely do all the other products, ornaments, calendars, note cards, all the things. So plan your releases. Um, there's a podcast episode about that. If you need to start thinking about this now, go for it. Um, there's a podcast episode that I launched back in December that you can listen to for that purpose. I think it's episode number 22 if you want to go back and listen to that. Okay, so that's working with the season. Just a few ideas to get your, your wheels turning and just to encourage you to think about the seasons individually and what makes each season special what makes each season really unique and how you can tap into that. There are, of course, dates to avoid. So if you are in the workbook, go to page 18. Um, dates to avoid is pretty clear to find. These are dates that I personally would not launch anything of much consequence. I would not launch a painting collection. I would not launch a course. I would not launch a retreat or a workshop or anything that actually needs to have eyes and ears on it and needs to have attention. You can launch tiny things or promote things. That's totally fine. But these are some dates that I would avoid for anything that is substantial. Number one is January 1st through 5th. Now, this is because people are still just settling back into life and people are feeling a little bit depleted from the holidays. We've spent a lot of money in December. People don't feel very energized typically, although it's a great time of year to offer something education-based or um, 
you know, something that's going to better them as a person. Maybe you offer word of the month or not word of the month, word of the year, uh, calligraphy, custom calligraphy, or you offer a, you know, goal setting workshop or something like that. You can definitely lean into the season and offer something like that in this time, but it's not the best time to ask people to spend a lot of money because they don't feel very abundant typically. Um, That's just my experience at least. April 15th, again, not a day of abundance. This is tax day in the U.S. and it has a weird vibe. I don't know if it's just me, but it just feels strange. Um, It's not quite the right... Personally, I just avoid this day. You can obviously launch something here. It's not going to be the end of the world, but just know that this day has some connotations you may not love. The next on my list is July 4th, unless your theme is specifically Independence Day or holidays. And again, this is a U.S. you know U.S.-based thing. If your audience is outside of the U.S., you're fine. But in the U.S., Independence Day, July 4th, is just too hot. It's too crazy. It's too weird. Everyone's outside. Everyone's sweaty. Everyone's distracted with fireworks and parties and barbecues. And it's just a noisy day in general. Um, And I don't think it'd be a great day to launch something. So I don't. And I don't recommend you do either. Unless, like I said, you have an Independence Day, very specific Independence Day thing that you want to launch. And even then, if you're doing something that's terribly patriotic, I would say launch it on on maybe July 1st or 2nd or 3rd, maybe not the 4th. The next is September 11th. And again, this is a U.S.-based um, concern, but September 11th still holds a lot of sadness and a lot of remembrance for many people. And I think it's worth keeping in mind. I think it's worth, um, avoiding, not, not out of fear or, you know, I just think it's respectful to let this day be what it is. And I don't want to distract from that that sorrow and that beauty and that remembrance with my talking about something that's off topic. And then we have several weeks where you can launch whatever you want. No issues whatsoever. So exciting. Um, Things get a little bit noisier during the holidays, of course. Keep that in mind. Again, go listen to the holiday episode if you want to, episode 22. December 24th through 27th, they tend to be unplugged. People tend to be done buying things. They really just want to eat pie and and drink eggnog. I don't know why, but they do. It's disgusting. It's fine if you like eggnog, by the way. It's not a big deal. I just, I don't, I don't love it, which is okay. Um, and I feel like people just want to be with their families. They don't want to be sold to anymore. They're done with that. They just want a couple of days off. And I hope you do too. So just take the days off. Enjoy, enjoy your past sales. You had a great January, not January, maybe just, you had a great holiday season and you can just relax for a few days. Um, in addition to this, I would say do not launch your products or services or collections or anything on any day that holds great national or international disaster. And this might be the morning of your launch. If you happen to be so unfortunate to launch on a day where, I don't know, something horrible happens, I would say skip the launch, make it clear, make a clear rescheduled plan, um, 
but I think it's respectful and also very smart to move your launch to a different day rather than trying to fight and press ahead against the tide that is our nation's focus at the moment. So yeah, keep that in mind. Um, I would recommend checking the news the morning of your launch, um, the day before for sure. Yeah, just kind of keep that in mind. Along with that, avoid major election days because the news is just going to be screaming so loud. You don't want to fight with that. You can just wait or you can do it earlier. Just you you don't need this uphill battle of trying to fight the mass media when they're going to be so excited and so crazed and so all the things. So I would avoid election days, um, especially large elections like presidential elections or um, even midterm elections. Avoid that maybe the the couple of days before and the day of. Those are the only days that come to mind for me. If there are other days that you think you should avoid launching, of course, do. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to share the inside of my year calendar with you. So if you have the workbook, you can just open up to this page and it'll make total sense to you. You can see it all, um, but I'll walk you through it verbally too. In January of 2015, so this is year five in my business, um, by this point I was supporting my family, I was bringing in plenty of income, making over six figures, but it was still a lot of hustling and still a lot of effort to do so. So in January, I took a moment of breathing after my, my very crazy holiday season in 2014. I was so thrilled and pleased by those results but I needed to recoup a tiny bit, which makes sense. I began working towards my first collection on January 15th with a painting a day challenge, and that continued through February 15th. So 30 paintings in 30 days. I launched a Valentine's Day print sale, and then my first collection of the year, which was those 30 paintings, was offered at the end of February. I also began collaborating on a brand project with a company called Land of Nod um, in that in February, which was so much fun, so much fun. In March, I released a fresh collection of prints and I began offering commissions. So I opened up commission slots to my audience. Um, I think I opened three a month for the remainder of the year. And that's because I really wanted to find some stability in my income. I wanted to make sure that I could certainly provide for my family. There wasn't any risk there. So my commissions were how we budgeted. I actually budgeted enough um, commission income that we could live off of that solely, which was so reassuring and so beautiful. It also was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. By the end of the year, I was thoroughly exhausted. I don't recommend it, but it worked for me that year. And you can probably find a happy medium where, you know, you can do something similar and you can survive and hopefully even thrive. In April, I began working on my summer collection. So I was beginning to do the commissions, two to three commissions a month, began working on the collection. Um, I taught an oil painting workshop in my studio that month. So I was marketing for that in March. So the painting workshop happened in April. In May, I continued working on the summer collection, two to three more commissions, an Instagram print sale. In June, again, working on the summer collection. I was just working, I was doing so many commissions that it took me longer to get my collection together. So I think I worked on that collection for three, no, no, four months, maybe. I think I launched it at the end of August. Oh no, I launched it in September. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's let's keep going. All right, June, worked on the summer collection. 
I think I did two commissions that month because we went on some trips. Um, I taught online classes that month, Instagram for artists. These were very profitable, very, very profitable. So much fun. I loved having that different energy flow. Um, not so much using my hands, but more using my brain. And it was just really refreshing and also encouraging and also profitable. In July, continue working on the summer collection. Um, I, I, I did five commissions that month or maybe four and a half commissions that month. Um, I was trying to work ahead. That way I had some space because in August I did another 30 painting challenge, which I just like doing those every now and then. They're just fun for me. So I enjoyed doing that in August. Again, um, I promoted prints in July and I worked on a piece for a gallery show. So July, like I said, I love painting in the summer. I love getting so much work done in the summer. So that was a lot of painting, a lot of commissions. Um, and then in August, 30 paintings to celebrate my birthday. My birthday is August 8th. So I always do something to celebrate my birthday. And this year I decided to do a painting a day challenge to celebrate. I did two commissions that month. One of which I remember was very large, a hundred by 55 inches. That's huge. And then I also began offering consultations. So I, I had a lot of artists that were reaching out to me asking if I could mentor them in some way. And this is how I decided to do that back then. I would do hour-long consultations over video chat, and I would just kind of dig into their business and help them with it. And it was so encouraging and so refreshing, again, to use my brain and to offer insight. It was great. In September, I finally sold the collection. Hooray, hooray. Um, I sent some artwork to a gallery. I had an oil painting workshop in my studio again. And I participated in a local craft fair for one weekend. Well, I think it was three days. Um, October, I began planning my holiday collection. I did three to four paintings, commission paintings, and then began painting the holiday collection, which were smaller pieces, 24 by 36 and smaller. In November, finished that collection and then prepped the curated gift boxes for the holiday launch. Um, I think I launched that on Black Friday of that year and then launched all the holiday goods at the end of November. December, we launched ornaments. Um, I had a holiday launch, that, that collection launch that I was working on at the end of October and November. Those launched in early December. I finished my final commission of the year, did a holiday art market, and I closed my studio on December 20th. So that is my year at a glance. It's amazing how much you can do in one year. I mean, just reading that made me tired, much less doing it all. And again, that was a really, really busy year. I made, I made quite a lot of money that year, but it was really full. It was really busy. It was really exhausting. So. You don't need to do that. That might be too much. That might be, I mean, honestly, that might be too much for me now. I might get super worn out trying to do all that now with a two-year-old, but you can find your version of a year and fill it and make it beautiful and powerful. It's going to be so good. It's truly amazing what you can accomplish in one year when you take consistent steps towards your dreams. We talked a lot about dreams in the last episode in part one. That's where they come into play. You can show up every day and you can do big and hard things if you have big dreams. 
Okay, if you need more insight, if you need more encouragement as you try to implement your big dreams for 2020, consider joining us in Making Art Work. It's a 12-week course that I love, that I've poured all of my knowledge and insight into. It's a course, it's a community, it's a mentorship, it's a place to find community that will actually be helpful and not just, they're not just going to watch you, they're going to be there with you. They're going to be your peers, they're going to offer you advice, they're going to offer you insight. I'm going to offer you advice and insight. Every week I sit down and answer questions and offer mentorship and we have critiques and it's just, it's really full. It's really rich, it's really nourishing, and I'd love to see you in it. I like to say that art school teaches you how to paint, but making artwork teaches you how to be a professional artist. And you don't actually need art school, but don't tell them that. Okay, if you'd like more information, go to emilyjeffordslearn.com and you can find all the goodness there. Doors open February 18th. And I cannot wait to see you inside that course. It's going to be so, so good. So good. Okay, that is all for today. I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.